Okay, I'm in Matthew chapter 13. It's one of the chapters that I love. Can I tell you something? Y'all remember when I said I didn't want to preach through Matthew? Because you remember, y'all remember when I complained that the Lord called me to preach through Matthew? Hey, I'm a real deal. I, I'll do that. I'll, and and uh, mostly it was because I just thought it'd be hard. <laughs> it was mostly that. And man, have I fallen in love with the beauty and majesty of Matthew's work. I'm a mess. Every time I open the book, I'm just more of a mess. And so we're going to do 24 verses. And uh, I've entitled this, The Word of the Kingdom, A Sower's Story. Because Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and it's actually the first of many parables of the kingdom. Can you say the kingdom? And it, my title comes from this text, When Anyone Hears the Word of the Kingdom, where Jesus begins to explain the, um, he explains the parable of the sower. Now, let's dig in with um, first the prologue and then three acts. I'm, I'm doing a play today. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be faster than you think. Last, last night they were so fast, I got through early. One minute early. Um, the prologue is I want, to, I want to go back through chapter 12 for just a minute with us. And I want to look at how incredible was this chapter. Is it going to come up for me? There it is. It starts off telling us uh, that the Lord of the Sabbath, remember Jesus went and he picked the grain? And they complained at him. He invoked their anger because he was doing this on the Sabbath. And he, then he told them that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, basically. And then he told them, uh, or he uh, cast out demons. So he, he eats on the Sabbath, and then he cast out demons on the Sabbath. And they're throwing a fit, right? They're, they're, having, a, they're having a hard time with him because he's breaking the law as they said. Now, he explains to them out of Isaiah, Isaiah, that he's a chosen servant of God and that the chosen servant of God is going to take the gospel, take the blessing of God to the Gentiles. In other words, they're saying to him, you're not one of us. And he's basically, whether they realize it or not, tweaking them a little bit and saying, that's okay because this chosen servant is taking this thing to the Gentiles. We're going to draw a bigger circle and include some people. So immediately, some of the people, seeing what he has done, say, he's the son of David. Meaning, could this be the Messiah we've been looking for? Others said, nope, he's Beelzebub. And so there's a division in the crowd. Does anybody know anything about factions in America? I'm pretty stirred up about what's going on in America. Um, and I, I want to pray and I'm, I'm praying and stirred up that the church will take the high side, meaning the kingdom side that says, Lord, heal us, heal us, heal us, heal us. Cause we're clearly not wise enough to do it. And, um, anyway, we need help. So Jesus is, as I say, his actions cause factions, and some of them say he's the devil and some of them say he's the son of David. That's a, that's a pretty big divide. 
And so the question is, who is he? So when Jesus faces the question of who is he, he says, whenever you wanna know what somebody really is, check their fruit. Listen, a person's fruit will never lie to you. Now, if you take a small sample, you might get confused. You see somebody on their worst day, everybody has a bad day, everybody, everybody you know, does a few things. But if you take the measure of somebody over time, the fruit and the tree are gonna match up. And Jesus said, check me out. Uh, that's one of the blessings of being in this city, as long as I have been. Every once in a while, somebody will come in here and they'll wanna kinda check me out. And, and literally, I just say, I've been in this city 27 years, go ask anybody you want to, I don't care. Because if by 27 years, if somebody hadn't figured out who I am, then, you know, chop the tree down if there's no fruit, right? There should be some fruit. And honestly, there's either good or bad fruit for whoever you are. And you'll be known, identified by the fruit. And so Jesus is saying, check me out. The demonized man sees and speaks. And so he's comfortable with that. Then, as they're asking, who is he still? He says, well, uh, because they say, give us a sign so we'll know who you are. And he said, well, you won't get any sign but the sign of Jonah. Well, the sign of Jonah, unbeknownst to them, was a riddle. Have you ever been riddled? I went back and looked at old Samson's riddle as I was preparing for this sermon. Uh, (laughs) Samson riddled the people. He said, come back in a week if you can answer my riddle. And... Uh, everyone, and Jesus, Jesus is, is riddling. Yes, Jesus is the riddler in this case. He, he tells them the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Check me out. That was a preview of things to come as he was uh, giving a portent of his death. And he said, what Jonah did, you're, there'll be a greater sign than that. How many of you know that coming out of the grave is a greater sign? Yeah. And, and he, also, he also invokes Solomon, which I'm going to have to hurry on. Then he tells them about the unclean spirit, and he's riddling them again. I told you last week. He's telling them the way unclean spirits operate is this. Once they go out, they go looking for a new host. And when they can't find one, they go back to the host they had, and they'll be worse than they were. And what Jesus is actually telling them, this is all set up for where we're going today. What he's actually telling them is that their own history had been a history of being horribly in rebellion against God. And they're on the same path again, even though they don't know it. And so he gives them the parable of the unclean spirit and then finishes up with a family story, uh, just for fun. How many of y'all have sent your DNA off to find out who you are? Let me see some hands. Come on, get them up, get them up, get them up, get them up. Not very many of you, most of you know who you are or don't care. That's more likely it. But um, Jesus says the way you know who someone is is not their natural generation but you know who they are by whose voice they respond to. 
Are you listening to the Father's voice and doing what the Father says? So all of that is a setup for where we are. And the reason I say that is because we come now to Jesus telling them a parable. And verse chapter 13 begins with these words, that same day. What day? The day all that stuff I just told you unpacked. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow and something's about to happen that is going to be shocking. I say things are not what they seem. So now listen to me for just a second. This is a parable of the kingdom. If you don't know how life works, this is in the Bible. This is a, it's really important what I'm, I tell people all the time, if you're in a debate with someone, the person who wins defining the terms will win the debate. Always. Always. Uh, Sometimes I say never debate with the person who has the microphone. They're going to win. That is the person that controls the microphone. It's the same thing. You You define the terms. The people of Israel had a category that they were living inside, kingdom, kingdom. They knew they'd been promised a kingdom by God. And they knew that they had that they had, um, had all kinds of other kingdoms come upon them and possess them. This is a big problem. By the way, one of my favorite things in the Bible is when the Pharisees lie to themselves. And I, I know the, the Pharisees were word of faith charismatics. Because Jesus talked about slaves and they said, we've never been enslaved by anyone. And, and I want to go, wait, the Romans are your bosses now? <laughs> I could name all the kingdoms that had possessed them. And they were, they, were like, they were like in denial. We're not here and this is not happening. Y'all should have laughed when I made that bad joke. But <laughs> because, you know, a word of faith charismatic denies what they're going through and calls it faith. Can I get a witness? I'm sorry. I'm not sick. I just hadn't realized my healing yet. Grow up and get over yourself. <laughs> I want you to know that everybody that went to Jesus admitted they were sick and then he made them well. Anyway, that's a whole other thing and I don't want to get in a debate with you because I'll win while I'm up here and you'll win when I come down there. But the category was kingdom. And their categorical definition was kingdom means someone will come and announce the kingdom and we will rally to them and, and by force... By force, we'll take the kingdom. I've just been talking about that. (laughs) Jesus comes with a brand new category of kingdom that he's going to unpack for them in seven parables. And the first one is the parable of the sower. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on the rocky soil 
where they did not have much soil and they immediately sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And then he says this strange thing, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, I don't know about you, but that parable seems kind of easy to me. Sower went out to sow, and just for the record, apparently he wasn't really a real good sower. <laughs> Can we talk? I mean, we could help him with his techniques. <laughs> he got a 25% return, right? Uh, although some of them, the ones that did get the return, got multiple kinds of return. Now, all that, they go, what, what is that about? Well, Jesus then says, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, that immediately means that Jesus says, I know you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I say, I say listen, one of my, a preacher that I used to love, um, used to every, every now and every few minutes he would pause and say, listen, be like, okay. He who has ears, let him hear. Wow. Who remembers when they didn't have ears to hear? Nobody could tell you anything. Now I'm talking spiritually, but of course that's the definition of your teen years. It's also often the definition of somebody with an infatuation. But Jesus says, let him who has ears, let him hear. Well, that needs some explanation because Jesus tells a very kind of simple parable and then says, I know you don't understand me. So we need a little bit of explanation. Then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? He answered to them, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. He's talking about them. And he'll have an abundance. But from the one who has not, he's talking about the people he's just been dealing with. Even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. In other words, it's kind of like this. The disciples go, hmm, we don't get it. And they come to Jesus and say, can you explain it? The Pharisees don't get it and they live on their assumptions. They don't inquire, they don't pursue, they don't, and they, and they don't really want to hear. Um, can, that's so obvious in the context. If someone cast a demon out of someone and their eyes open and they see and then you come along and say before we're going to believe you you have to show us a sign <laughs> how many of you know hearing they won't hear and seeing they won't see 
Um, I say this all the time so charismatic people will know it. Um, you can tell your stories, but the people who won't believe them just won't believe them, not don't believe them. They won't believe them. Right? Tommy was boasting in the Lord last night. Um, you know, Tommy prayed for you a couple of weeks ago. Was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Prayed for him. I, I just prayed for him. Listen, I just prayed for him normally like I pray for anybody. And then he fell down under the power of God. And um, he got up and started talking about being healed. Now, for the record, I didn't have nothing to do with that. (laughs) But God touched him. Now, people who believe it will believe it, and the ones who won't, won't. And it will be kind of like no matter what you say. But now... So Jesus said, I'm talking in parables. These parables are parables of the kingdom. And what Jesus wants to do is change the categories in their head so that they can understand. One of the reasons, listen, this is happening a lot. I really wish I had time to to give a, 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 a labored explanation of how categories rule our thinking in ways that we're unaware. Um, I can give you one example. Whenever you start talking about the doctrine of eschatology or last things, people will start to speak out of some categories that they know about. The rapture, the millennium, the tribulation. Categories. And they know those categories more than they know the Bible. Help me. Help me. And so someone like me will come along and I'll just say a little simple thing like, rapture is not a noun anywhere in the Bible. It's not a category. And I, and I say to people, you should be making some implications from that and rethinking your thinking. Jesus is talking to them and saying, you guys have the kingdom stuck in your head, but you don't even know what it means. So I'm going to tell you a parable about the kingdom. And the parable he's telling is a parable of sowers and seed and of of their not understanding. So we go, who was not hearing around Jesus? It was the Pharisees. And then we go, well, who is not hearing today? And I want to tell you that one of the, I haven't stopped. Look, I know I'm saved. I know I belong to the Lord. But all the time when it comes to searching for truth, I find myself saying, God, what am I not hearing? I'm telling you there's stuff I'm not getting. I want to solve problems. And so I have to say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand about healing half the time. I certainly don't understand about politics. I certainly don't understand that if everybody would think like I think, everything would be okay. (laughs) So I'm always asking, because listen, Christians are supposed to be in this culture with answers. You're salt. You're light. So so I keep asking. So in other words, I don't want to assume that I've got it. And so Jesus then illustrates, indeed, 
in their case, that is the ones who are not hearing, the prophet Isaiah is, prof- is fulfilled when he says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For the pe- this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes have been closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. That was Isaiah talking in his day about the people he was living with before they went into Babylonian captivity. Now Jesus has just told these people a parable or first a story about demons repossessing what they possessed and he's talking about them. And now he says, it's just like it was in the days of Isaiah when hearing they wouldn't hear and seeing they won't see. But to you, he says, it's been given. Meaning... The parable of the sower is about the congregation that Jesus had. All of them covenant people. All of them belonging to covenant Israel. Some receiving the seed and others not. Jesus will say in another place, the way is narrow. And a lot of people take that to mean there's few people that'll ever be saved. No, it simply meant there was few that were going to hear him in Israel. Are y'all okay? I ask that stuff a lot. Act three, this means we're close to the end. I don't know if it's because y'all are doing so well or if it's because I want to go see my mama. I can't tell for sure. But I know she's listening in and she knows that her boy is coming home. So, but Jesus then looks at them and says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, didn't see it, and to hear what you hear and didn't hear it. The writer of Hebrews says the same thing about people who longed to see this day. You see, the prophets were the sowers of seed and the righteous people were the sowers of seed. The truth of that seed lived in their hearts because they could see it dimly and darkly and far away. But most of the people they were sowing among would never get it. The prophet Amos said, nothing but a piece of an ear and a hind leg, a little remnant. Hardly any are going to hear this. But Jesus says to them who, listen, their job after him is to be sowers of this seed. Wants them to hear it. Um, I wrote this little note about living in the day of visitation. Um, revival, one of the things about revival, revival is a time when, when such a revelation falls on a company of people that large numbers of people start seeing who weren't seen. I didn't know it, but I was living in a revival in the late 60s and early 70s. How many of you in here got saved during that period of time with me? Okay, you guys were swept into a revival. We're, we're way on the aftermath of that revival. But you look back on it, and here's what I can tell you. In those days, if you talked about Jesus, it was easy for people to believe. 
And lots of people came to Jesus. And you could have crusades and people would come. I don't know if you've noticed, but something's happening to our country and people are not listening. And now they're actually even remaking a narrative that says we're evildoers. And that's okay. It's a season. We're going to go through that too. Well, the day of visitation was when Jesus said one time he wept over Israel because you didn't know the day of your visitation. I can never forget when I was in Mozambique when, um, when, when the great revival was being poured out on Mozambique. And uh, I was, this is 2002 when I got so mightily touched by the Holy Spirit and surprised Sitole was preaching on that night. This guy's name is Suppressa, which means surprise. And so when he comes to America, he says, my name is Surprise. And um, an African preacher. And Suppressa was preaching. Mozambique, this is the day of your visitation. Do not miss the day of your visitation. It is today. It is here. Do not miss it. I'll never forget it, man. I was like... It was so anointed. It was so powerful. And we were, we were just in, enraptured. And Jesus is saying to them, blessed are your eyes. You're not missing the day of your visitation. But the truth was, those that were hearing were in the minority. And so we come to 13... Here then is the parable of the sower. In other words, here's the explanation. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, there's that word again, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. How many of you have seen somebody really close, really close, really close, and then the enemy came with lies and accusations and snatched it away and they were gone? So painful to see. This is what was sown along the path. In other words, seed finding hard ground. For what was sown on the rocky ground, this was the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He has no root in himself. He endures for a little while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. This is what was in danger of happening to the people in the book of Hebrews who, were, who had received the word of the Lord uh, in much affliction and persecution, and they were about to turn back. And the writer of Hebrews says, well, if you turn back, just know there's nowhere to go. Uh, by the way, some of them no doubt did. As for what is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Does anybody remember the, the, the name Demas in the Bible? The word Demas. Not many of you. My man, Daniel Van Court. At one place in the Bible, because you only, you only know him because he's, he's in those greetings and stuff. And most people miss uh, Trophimus and Demas and uh, the, the names that are only there a few times. Um, don't worry, Armstrong's caught me with Old Testament Bible names that I didn't know. So don't worry. Um, and um, Paul commends him at one time. And then later on, 
Paul says, Demas has forsaken me because he loved this world. Now you're remembering. And so some of the people are like that. That is to say, um, and I've lived long enough now that I've seen people that were brothers, man, they were walking with me in the Lord. I, I know pastors that have turned from the Lord. I know pastors that have become atheists. All this stuff, a parable like this really troubles people who, with, with their doctrines. Because if you have a doctrine of, of the doctrine of eternal security, this parable troubles you and you start trying to massage the parable to get it to fit your categories. Because categories reign over the Bible. Just stop that. Just let the Bible say what it says. The parable is about a sower who's sowing seed looking for a harvest, looking for fruit. He ain't looking for a shoot. He's looking for fruit. Listen, man, even Alan can grow a few shoots. And I can't fix anything mechanical or grow anything from the ground. I'm just not either one of those guys. And, and uh, you know, I can't even grow a Kia plant. Chia plant, whatever it is. I can't even grow one of those. <laughs> Mama Gail says, I can't even grow mold. <laughs> but... Jesus is looking for fruit. And in the parable, the story is the sower of the seed is looking for fruit. And Jesus is actually saying, what has he just done? He's just defined the family as those who hear the voice of the father and obey him. And then he immediately tells them a parable about a sower of seed. And the shocking thing is that you can sow seed in the covenant family and only get a partial crop. That was the condition of Israel at the time of Jesus. It's also the condition of any of us if we sow in America. We, we're going to get the same thing. For what was sown in the good soil, this is the one who hears the word of God and understands it. Blessed are those disciples who, who not only heard the word of God, they came and said, now what were you talking about? Can we be sure we've got this? I found out about myself as a leader. I've been a leader for way more years than I should, should have been. But I'm finding out about a leader that one of the hardest things for me to do is listen and really hear what they're trying to tell me. So you go back and you say, now, did I get that right? And in my case, most of the time they say no. And, and we try it again. This is the one who hears the word of God and understands it. He indeed bears the fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold. Another 60 and another 30. I have people, I have friends that have hundredfold. And you know what? I've, I decided a long time ago, I ain't going to be jealous. I'm just going to rejoice in the harvest. Right? Come on, can we do that? Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that in all candor, this is the simplest parable. And the people who heard him did not understand him. 
because their categories would not let them change their mind. Their understanding of the kingdom would not let them entertain another understanding of the kingdom. And what Jesus came and did was redefine kingdom. And we're going to see as we go through these parables that he brings a kingdom that's so much of another kind. This is why even to people's consternation, I'm a preacher that will constantly come and preach against the political spirit being in the church. Preach against partisan politics ruling your mind. Preach against the the ideas of the world setting the categories. I'm a person that wants to constantly go back to the Bible and say, is that what he meant by kingdom? Is that what he means by this subject and that subject? Constantly going back to the word and constantly inquiring of the Lord. Am I getting this right? Because there's so much at stake. Amen? Y'all listen so fast. I'm done. That was, a, that was a didactic sermon. You know what a didactic sermon is? It's where, you, it's where you, you, you make the bread. You grind the meal and you make the bread. And, and you, go, you get home and you go, did we even eat? And the answer will be yes. Stand up and you'll see. You're going to see. Stand up and you're going to see. You're going to go home full. You're going to go home full because it is your privilege to be the heirs of the kingdom of God. I'm, um, I'm so constrained. I hear about your stories and I go, wait a minute, your life matters. Your life matters. Your life matters. Whatever's hanging in the balance in your life, it matters. Jesus was gathering a group of people to be his, just to be his, just to be his. And these were people who were so hungry to say, if this is the guy, we don't care what he's got, we're going to get what he's got. And they pressed themselves in and pressed themselves in. And the day will come when these disciples will end up being against the world just as he was. I was not reminded this week of when my daughter, we were, we were in Tennessee and Emily was smaller than her Ada is now. And we were watching a movie about Peter and Paul. And in the movie, early in the movie, it begins with a crucifixion scene of Jesus. My little girl was hearing about Jesus and knowing about Jesus. She was hearing about him. And we're watching a movie that's about Jesus' followers. And she sees Jesus in this movie depicted on a cross. And such a scream came up from her voice. Listen, this wasn't, it wasn't even one of those, you know, this was like an aseptic. This was a muted depiction of the cross. This was not the passion of the Christ. (laughs) This was a a much tamer movie. But I'll never forget this. She said, Daddy, are they going to do that to us? What do you say? Are they going to do that to us? Because the reality comes that the recipients of the seed, here's what, they, here's what they're doing. Man, they're, they're giving it away. 
You have come to this place to so give yourself to Christ that you will not give yourself to the world, that you will not give yourself to false categories, that you will not give yourself to false teachers, that you will not give yourself to lies. You give yourself to Christ and it does not matter what it costs you. And when we are betrayed, we forgive. And when we are wronged, we do right. And when we are cursed, we bless. And when we are in a conflict with someone, it's not an accusation that rules us. It's the laying down of our life. This thing has worked for 44 years with this girl. Why? Because we didn't live in accusation. We lived in surrender. We gave ourselves to each other. We give ourselves to each other. The way of Christ is to be the very seed that goes into the ground and dies. You're giving your lives away. It won't always be fun. You won't always be in the majority. You won't always be well spoken of. But you will never regret it. This is Jesus. I'm so happy to live in your company. I am so happy to live in your fellowship. Citizens of another kingdom. So this day, what we have received, let us give. I appeal to you in the name of Jesus. Let this be a day of forgiveness in your life.